Um, today's reading is from Romans 4, verses 13 to 17, and I've taken it from the New King James Version. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be certain to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, in the presence of him who he believed. God, who gives life to the dead and causes those things which do not exist as though they do. This, St Andrews, is God's word. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, as we come uh, to look at your word, we pray that you would come upon our hearts, come quicken your word to us, we pray that, Lord, that whatever's going on in our lives, that there would be something in this morning's message that you would uh, prompt us within us, that you would pierce our hearts with this morning. We recognize that, Lord, only you can do this. So, Lord, come have your way in Jesus' name. So around the world, parliaments and I guess different legislatures are passing more and more laws and regulations uh, often without repealing other ones. The hope, I assume, is that the more and more laws that are passed, we'll become a better, more inclusive society where crime is reduced and prosperity and happiness is increased. But does passing laws and having a population aware of those increased laws and regulations mean that a society will become necessarily better? I'm not so sure. So welcome to ongoing series on Romans. If you are new, we're just a passage by passage look through this book of the Bible. If you're joining us by podcast or YouTube this morning, welcome as well. And Paul this morning has an intriguing statement. Uh, I'm going to read it in the NLT version, uh, and then, the, then the NIV. And the NIV is very similar to actually what Anne had. Uh, this is what it says, For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. Just think about that. What does, for the law always bring punishment on those who try to obey it, mean? I mean, that sounds crazy. What? If you try to be good and obey the laws, you'll be punished? What? How? Under what universe would that make sense? And the actual Greek is a little tougher. The NIV puts it, I think, slightly more accurately, because the law brings wrath. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. The law brings wrath. So what on earth is Paul on about this morning? Well, let me give an illustration, and I'm going to be uh, running with chocolate cake illustration this morning, a lot this morning, so do bear with me. I hope that's going to be okay. But just imagine two scenarios of a mum or dad, they've just made a yummy chocolate cake with the icing and sprinkles, it's moist, and they've done it, made it, and they've put it into a nice little container and put it in the cupboard there. And then uh, kids come home. Remember being with a hungry teenager when you're just stuck, and then you open the cupboard, and there the teenager and his mates see the, this container with a chocolate cake, and they go, well, just a little slice won't matter. I'll share it among my mates just a little bit. And then over the next hour, because 
who's had a slice of chocolate cake and then you just want to have more? Anyone been in that situation? I, I felt that. And so the whole chocolate cake just disappears. And then the teenager goes, oh, when mum gets home, the fact that we eat the entire cake with that sugar with the rest of the family, all mum and dad, they're not going to be entirely happy. Right, just imagine that. They know that, that, that even though there wasn't necessarily an explicit instruction, on the basis of probability, mum and dad wouldn't be happy with an entire chocolate cake being eaten without anyone else in the family uh, uh, having a chance. But it's done. They've eaten it. All right, well, now imagine a few weeks later, mum or dad makes a second chocolate cake. And on top of the chocolate cake is a note. Have you put notes on things before for kids? Well, there's a note. Don't eat the chocolate cake. It's for craft creators or for mainly music. It's for the woman's group or it's for whatever. And then the, the teenager decides with his mates to eat the entire cake anyway. Well, given all the information, the law laid down in black and white, most people would say that the second scenario of eating the chocolate cake was worse than the first one. Right? And the consequences will be wrath, the wrath of the parents. Sometimes the law brings wrath. Knowing right and wrong doesn't stop us from doing the wrong thing. It just makes us more culpable when we do. I mean, who's had that voice? Alistair, now, I know you're really angry, but don't say those words. Have anyone had that? How many times has it stopped you from saying those things? Right? A lot of the time, not a lot. I'm like, shh, shh, shh. I really want to say it. You can, you can annoy me later. Ah! Or, or if it's a temptation. I know I shouldn't. But the law, but I know the law, but that you do it anyway. Well, the law can bring wrath. So well, let me go into this analogy of the chocolate cake, the first four chapters of Romans. So going with a chocolate cake analogy. Paul basically separates. Remember, he's writing the letter. It's called the, book, the, the letter of Romans. He wrote the letter to Romans. And as you know, if you're a regular here, Romans had two groups. They had The church in Rome had two groups. It had the Roman pagans who'd come from the pagan background, and it had religious Jews who had grown up with the Torah and believed that they were better than all the evil pagans out there. And so Paul, when he wrote the letter, he separates them into two groups of chocolate-stealing people. The first group is the pagans. They have a sense of right and wrong, even though they've never read the rule book. They have some sense of conscience about not what not to do. But nevertheless, in Rome, they liked eating chocolate cakes and stealing chocolate cakes. And not only that, they had the wildest chocolate-stealing party cakes parties in Rome. If you have a look at what the Roman emperors are up to in ancient histories, it was a pretty uh, evil and wild group. And so you had this group. There they are, stealing chocolate cakes and eating and all of that. Then in the church, you had the second group. They knew that you shouldn't be stealing chocolate cakes and eating it. And they were judging the pagans for stealing all the chocolate cakes. And they were judging them for their chocolate cake party stealing. And then, but, here's the thing, says Paul, they still wanted to eat chocolate cakes, even though they knew the note was written on the thing, don't steal chocolate cake. And they were doing it anyway. Both groups fell, under, fell short of the glory of the divine chocolate cake's instructions. Both fell short of the glory of God. Both, both of them were, were mucking up. So in the analogy, if I can finish the stealing the chocolate analogy for now, both groups, were, both groups were falling short of God's glory. So moving away from that to Paul's argument, what he was saying here is that the Israelites received the law. They knew in black and white 
what they should do and what they shouldn't do. But this knowing of God's law didn't stop them breaking it. And if you had a look at the Israelite history, God would send prophets, he would send judges, but all the time they were like, they would kill the prophets and they would run out and do even exactly the opposite of what God had said. So in a sense, God's law written to them brought wrath. The law didn't stop them disobeying it. It didn't move on their hearts to change the way they were thinking about things. So the famous Roman scholar Mu puts it this way of explaining the law brings wrath. He says that the violation of God's law, the violation, the breaking of the little note on the chocolate cake, increased the, 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 the discipline or punishment on the Israelites because the Jews explicitly and clearly knew in black and white what they should, should do and shouldn't do, and they thumbed their nose and transgressed the law. So knowing premeditated, the knowing premeditated transgression of God's written law brought wrath. That's what the Bible says. So because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Now the word transgression means the explicit violation of God's written law, not just sin. So what, God, what Paul's getting at is, yes, the Roman pagans were bad, because they had, they had some sense of right and wrong. But the Jews who had the Bible, and like, they were even in a worse situation. They knew exactly what they were doing. And they were like me. Sometimes I would see my parents' notes, but I would be cunning and just slice the, you know, that's the slicing of the edge of the cake. That's what I would do, just to slice it. And then it will be out of balance, so you just have to slice it again and just... Well, sometimes half the cake would go that way. But, but I knew, right? I knew. That's why I was slicing them the edge, hoping that mum wouldn't know. Right? So the Jews knew in black and white. All right? So what does this mean? Abraham was not saved by the keeping of the law, which no one can do. It, what, the law wasn't even given at the time of Abraham. He was saved by a saving faith in God. And Paul later goes on to say this faith in God, where God's spirit moved on, his, Abraham's love of God helped him keep the law. But the law itself doesn't actually move upon your heart to keep it. So what about us today? Well, firstly this, knowledge of God's laws in itself won't save you. In fact, may I suggest this, if you've grown up going to church, if you know the Bible, it actually can bring wrath because you know right from wrong. And if you're like me, we often choose wrong over right. And this time you've got less excuse. You're in the, in the same boat as the Jewish people. Knowledge of right and wrong by itself won't save because we often choose to do the wrong thing over the right thing because we like the chocolate cake and we don't care if we're stealing it. That, and that was exactly the situation with the Jews. What we need is faith in God, a saving faith where God comes into our hearts. Secondly, so first thing, knowledge of God's laws, right and wrong, won't save you. In fact, the law brings wrath. Secondly, work on the inner affections of your heart more than an outward obedience to the law. Grow a love of God, a faith in Him, a desire to be with Him, a delighting in being in God's presence. Who has experienced you're spending time in God's Word you're reading and you feel God moving upon those scriptures or you're worshipping God and you feel the presence of God, a joy and a peace. May I suggest over the last couple of weeks as I've been undertaking the journey with Catherine and as I walked in, Catherine and I walked into an office and, and, and the uh, surgeon, you know, pretty, a pretty dour lot at times I have to say, giving negatives, said, without treatment my wife has six months. 
And that, that was a tough moment. I was thought, well, I think this is the worst day of my entire life right now. I cannot think of a worse day. Is there any other worse day? Let me check, check. No, this is the worst day in my life. And as I heard that, I felt the peace of God and the joy of God. That is the power of God. It is not law keeping. It is a saving faith. And it takes you through the trials of life. And I hasten to add, they're hoping that the treatments of Catherine will extend Catherine's lifespan. So work on the inner affections of your heart more than an outward obedience to law. Grow a love for him. This is what the Bible says. Clearly God's promises to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was not based on his outward obedience to the law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. Now, of course, get this. Anyone who's in a right relationship with God will do as he says, right? <laughs> if you love God, Jesus says, those who love me will do as I say. But it's, the, it's this right relationship that comes first. It's the heart, then out of that heart. And so I've noticed over the last few weeks, Torn Catherine, you know, it's probably because of the cancer, I just can't help but serving her. Catherine says, can I have a green tea? I am straight down those stairs making that green tea. Right? Why? Because I love her. Now, it's a, it's a special moment in the time because of the situation we're going through. But it's not an outward obedience of, oh, well, let me check my marriage. What vows did I make here? Oh, darn it. I did say making green tea. Well, I better get to it. It's not that. It's the heart. And work on the inner affections. All right, three, if you have children, spend more time praying for their heart, more time in aiming to cultivate uh, and live out a love for God in your life that the kids can see. Make God attractive to them. Make praying, Lord, touch their hearts. Give them a joy for you. Give them a love of you. This is more important than sitting down, right, son? There are 78 commandments in the New Testament. We're going to be going through one every day, and you better make sure that you're working on them. That is not the right way to go through it. Yes, there are laws, but work on the heart, and those who love God will do as he says. So, you know, when I was uh, uh, seeing my, my kids growing up, and I was thinking of my daughter's uh, daughter Grace coming a teenager and going to all the parties and knowing at the Nelson Boys College what was going on in those parties. It was a few years ago. And thinking, oh my goodness, my daughter's going to be a teenager soon. I imagine this 100-page list of rules. These are the rules that I had in my mind, like about going to parties. Firstly, don't go to parties. You're banned from going to parties till you're 30. That was I thought was a great rule. If you have to go to parties, you have to be back by 7 p.m. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't vape. And don't talk to the opposite sex or really anyone while you're there. But as amazing as those hundred, and I thought if they stuck to those rules, she'd be pretty safe. But if your hundred page rules may suggest wouldn't protect my daughter or anyone an O week or orientation week at Otago University when they're without, from under the parental discipline. And they turn up there on O week and their mates turn up and say, we're heading into town for a party, want to come? And they're by themselves. In that moment, Ex knowledge of external rules is of no value by itself unless there is a burning love of God in the heart, a supreme, a delighting in Jesus Christ that is greater and more calling than the different chocolate cakes that are out there that are not on God's menu for, for that teenage daughter or son at that time of life. So three, work on praying for your kids' hearts if you have them or grandchildren that their hearts would be touched with a love of God. Because if they just have a knowledge of God's laws, the law brings wrath. 
Knowledge of right and wrong without the heart being changed just increases their culpability on Judgment Day. And fourth and last, at St Andrews, my desire is, yes, we do, all the leaders and staff sign a statement of faith. When I came as a minister, it's a Presbyterian statement of faith of what we believe about the Word of God, uh, who God is, Jesus Christ, and they sign that. It's important. We do have rules and values. But at its heart, may I suggest, what we want to be about is not external religious obedience. We want to be out having, knowing the love and power of God in our lives. We want God to be close to us. We want a burning desire to be in his presence. Because it is that that goes with you when you walk into a doctor's surgery and hear news you don't want to hear. It is that that actually stills the temptations when temptations come our way. It is that that will come through us in life and give us a desire to obey the law out of our love for God, a right relationship with God that comes through faith. Abraham had it. Do you? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word and we pray that you would move on our hearts to give us a thirst and a hunger for you. That Lord, that spending time in your word worshipping you, this would be the things we desire above all else. Oh Lord, touch our hearts. Grow in us this right relationship given by faith so that we can obey you. For without it, the law brings wrath. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.